And also, let's stop being obsessed with other people's genitalia while we're at it. It's like not really our business. They're not like chickens that we're trying to sex, you know? How about we just not? Welcome to Holy Ghosting, a podcast about deconstruction from your middle-aged mom friends. I'm Lindsay, and I believe that we need to protect trans youth at all costs. And I'm Meg, and I believe that we need to protect trans kids at all costs. And I'm Sarai, and I believe that we need to protect and stand up for all people who are trans at all costs. Amen. Hallelujah. A ma'am, a non-binary, a they, all of the above. Well, today, obviously, we're talking about parenting kids who are trans and um, in general, a little bit about what it means to be um, trans and how that looks, and especially the point of view from parents, uh, parents who grew up in evangelical Christianity and were steeped in that tradition, just like we all were. And um, those same parents who've been able to support their children as their children have been honest with them about who they are and how they identify themselves. And so we're all very excited to have a couple of guests on today. Um, one, you'll hear from who has a, a child who is non-binary and uh, was able to articulate that to their parents recently. And then another who has a, a child who is a daughter who was assigned male at birth and who is stealth. And so that is a another thing that's important to recognize that not all trans kids are out. Um, not everyone knows about what they're kind of assigned gender was when they were born. Um, and in a lot of cases, because of good progressive laws, uh, people have been able to correct birth certificates and other things like that. That isn't available everywhere. As we all probably also know, we're seeing a massive, massive move from the right uh, toward harming and taking away rights of all people who are able to identify their gender and say who they really are. Um, and that is targeting largely the LGBTQ community at large and especially trans young people. According to a recent uh, PBS article slash interview session, there are over 400 bills across the country that have been introduced in the last year or so by Republican lawmakers to curtail or take away rights to for LGBTQ people. Aaron Reed in this article says that there are over 400 bills that are targeting the LGBTQ communi community and about a third of them targeting the medical care of trans youth and in some cases adults as well. So we're talking about real issues that affect people that you probably know, whether you know about their gender identities and whether they're out or stealth or otherwise, this is something that impacts the mental health and well-being of thousands, if not more than thousands and thousands and thousands. I don't know the numbers. Does anyone Do you? <laughs> no idea. I wish I did. <laughs> a lot of people. It affects a lot of people yes. and in a really major way um, that is unsafe for them. So we're really happy to host Abby and Micah as they share their stories of parenting their kids and believing their children when they tell them who they are. And and one thing I want to note is that um, this phenomenon of trans people, trans children, 
is not actually new. It is not a phenomenon. Trans people have always existed. They mm -hmm. oftentimes get written out of history or they're othered or they're put into some odd category. You know, it, it's so strange to me that, you know, growing up, like we celebrated movies like Mulan, where while I know that's just cross-dressing, but like this is something that all the Christian parents around me thought was amazing and Mulan went to fight. And it's just like, but then when a, a kid here wants to do that going to school, it, it just is... I don't understand the obsession with it. And I get that with, with everything right now, right? Everyone will say, oh, there's this uptick. It's a fad. Da, da, da. With the same thing with many other things that are being done. Autism. It's like, no, it's not a fad. It's not new. It's just that we now have, we have the way to share information with one another. We have the ability to understand this terminology. We're talking about it. Do you understand? Like when we were children, it wasn't a term. We didn't, we literally did not no, or, or maybe I heard the word trans in a trans in a very offensive way, like mm -hmm. to make fun of someone. Yeah. Uh, I'm not even going to say that word. You know what I'm talking about? Mm -hmm. That I think was the only reference point I had for yeah. transgender and non-binary was certainly not a term that was. And so it's not that this is some new trend that all the it, it, that all the kids are hopping on. It's it's now that they have the language to identify what's actually going on with them. People have been unhappy in the bodies that they were born into for yeah. eons. So I think just just knowing that, and then I think just centering ourselves. I know sometimes when it comes to kids, we as parents, you know, we want the best for our children and we want to protect them. But also, I think taking a deep breath and knowing that, like, I don't always know what's best for my kid and they're their own person and they are separate than me. And they are, what were we talking about earlier, Sarai, just how like this idea that they are of me and that they need to be like me is so selfish and messed up. And we need to listen to our children. And I think that like a theme you'll notice to, in today's episode and the parents that we talked to, it that's really beautiful. And I suggest that you all can lean in and try to do the same thing with your kids. They listened to their kids and they trusted them and they believed them and they've supported them. And I think that that is really wonderful. And I think that we could all take a little something from that. I think the gift that I was given from these conversations with these parents is the reminder that every child is going to be an adult one day which means they are a person. They are a person at every age. And even our conversation with Dr. Anderson and talking about the sexual development of human beings, um, that really shone a light for me in this way that was like, you know, I joked when my kid was little that every time I finally like figured out his eating schedule or sleeping schedule, that then he would hit a growth spurt and something would change. And it was like, Every time I thought like, oh, I know him, I know his needs and his wants and his desires as a baby, then it would evolve, it would adapt. And as he grew, that mentality continued in me of, I get to watch and witness the, the growth and evolution of this human from infant and needing me for everything, for literally life needing me. To now at 13, my kids walking around has his whole own life that I have no part of. And, and I get little glimpses of it and I get to participate in ways, but it's not about me controlling what my kid is exposed to or what things my kid likes or doesn't like. Those things are already in us. We like what we like. We don't like what we don't like. 
and having the freedom to explore those things in safe ways and ways that he knows that he's protected and that I am going to fight for my kid's right to be who my kid wants to be, period. That's it. I, I don't get to decide anything. And it was really beautiful to hear these parents talk about knowing their children. Because when you truly get to know a human from the moment they were born, that's a gift. It's not something that we own or something that we have a right to. It, it's a gift. So I just want all humans to be treated as that, that they were a gift, that their breath on earth is, whether it's God-given or not, their life matters. It's it's heavy. And it's also, I think there's some freedom in that letting go of our kids. And I think that we ha letting go of the idea of, uh, we get into that in some of the interviews today, letting go of the idea of like this kid you dreamed up and this mm -hmm. life that you dreamed up and the parent that you thought you'd be. And that is hard as a parent and you may need to grieve that and that's okay. There's nothing wrong with that. But I also think that this idea that we have that, or that maybe the American government seems to have at the moment that being a trans kid is inherently bad or that like messed up or that there's something wrong or all of these things. It's like, stop and think about it. What harm is it doing literally to anyone? And I, even if you're getting to like, you're getting to puberty blockers, maybe even get to like surgery. First of all, surgeries are reversible. The surgery, like regret when people get gender affirming surgery, the regret rate is so minuscule. Mm -hmm. So access to gender affirming care is rarely ever regretted. And then on the flip side, it, when you are, you know, when you are bullying trans youth, when you are like cutting off avenues for them to get the care that they need, when you're not even doing something as simple as respecting their pronouns, which is not fucking hard to do. Get over yourself, people. Yeah. I mean, trans children are dying because like, literally, they, yeah. like literally because they are in a world who hates them. Yeah. And that is deeply messed mm -hmm. up. I mean, it was like, I looked up the suicide rate. I mean, it's like 82% of trans people have considered suicide and oh it mostly God. affects trans youth because yeah. they are in a culture that is hostile to them. So what is it that's harming the kids exactly? You know, it's, it's not the being trans that's harming them. Let mm -hmm. me tell you. Oh, I think what's harming them is, quote, traditional family values. And it's a bit <laughs> ironic that our traditional family values are actually contributing to the mental, like, unwinding, desperation, depression, self-loathing, self-harming things that people do to themselves when they feel trapped, when they're not able to get the help they need, when they're not allowed to be their whole real self. Mm -hmm. It's hard enough, I think, to identify who you really are when we're all raised with so much cultural influence over what we're supposed to be like. You know, I was assigned a female at birth. And so the way that I was raised was very traditionally like a female. You know, I've I was the person who cleaned the house. And I, you guys, I just told somebody this the other day. I've never mowed a lawn ever in my whole life. Neither and have I ever, oh, ever. Are you kidding? Y'all, mowing a lawn is so fun. I actually get upset. Oh, 
Because my husband likes to mow the lawn. And I always want to mow the lawn because it's so nice. And like Dr. Laura said, like this smell of fresh cut grass is like this delightful thing and you don't get to enjoy it. Like your feet walking in it. I don't know. I like to do it barefoot. It's very dangerous, but it's a delight. Oh my God. I'm terrified you're going to cut off your little toes. All of your toes. No, it's okay. Not careful. Knock that off. I'm going to (laughs) legislate your lawn mowing. That's exactly (laughs) right. If we need to control people's behavior, it should be wear closed-toed shoes while doing chores with power tools. Okay. That is the main thing. But I'll I'll co-sponsor that bill. Yeah. Right. If your kid is like, hi. I was assigned male at birth and I'm actually a girl. Then like, again, who is harmed by that? Literally. I mean, honestly, the idea for me thinking about if I had a penis, it's not a thing I'm interested in having. It's not a thing I want. If I had one, I would fucking hate it. It would be a thing that I would loathe. A thing that would be like, this isn't, feel right it's not me it doesn't belong i i feel out of place like that dissonance of the body you're in and who you are being in conflict is like agony agony because i felt that in these ways of being a tomboy when i was young Mm -hmm. about being a girl who i could throw a ball really well so that meant that i wasn't a good enough girl i don't know it was so weird that when i would do things well that boys were good at i was somehow less of a woman but also needed to be conformed into being a woman because i had all these parts that said you're a girl therefore you must enjoy sewing and baking and cleaning and cooking you don't want to go outside and play and throw a ball and i was like not true. No. My kid doesn't want to wash dishes on a hot summer day when all their friends are outside on the slip and slide. I mean, come on. That's just every child's dream. Yeah. We just let we, kids be. It's like I, if I had just been allowed to just be, to like the things I liked, to not like the things I didn't like, and to just evolve as a human being as I discovered and experienced things in the world. Like, it sounds kind of nice to just not have to also worry about me as a parent controlling another person who's now outside of my body. Like, Mm -hmm. once my kid came out of my body, I I had no other control over them, really. It's just like, that's when it starts. And we need to start that detachment from the moment after they're born, because that means their life has started. And like... We get to participate and we get to be a part of their life as long as they need us and want us and ask for us to be a part of their lives. And I hope that's for my my whole life. But, you know, I don't know. Yeah, We have um, a lot of fears in this country and it could be from lots of different things and lots of different reasons. But uh, once again, since it is my sacred duty to bring it up, the alliance between the evangelical church and the right wing, especially extreme right wing of the Republican Party, has been going on for a very, very long time. And these kinds of social issues that they bring up on occasion as moral panics become fodder for real legislation. And that legislation is not designed to add more freedom for more people. It is designed to curtail the freedoms of people who are not like us. 
And so when I say that, not like us, I mean the ruling class. I mean white supremacy. I mean patriarchy. I mean all the fucking things I talk about every fucking time we talk. But it is all coming back to bodily autonomy again. It's the same issue as abortion. It's the same issue as gay marriage being allowed or not allowed and whatever. Like, you know, we talked a little bit last or a while ago about the Equal Rights Amendment, for instance. This is not the same exactly, but that move to make the sexes equal in the law is something essential, not only for people assigned, you know, cisgendered folks. Ultimately, what we need is is countrywide federal protections for people of all gender identities. And that is the truth. If state by state, people are taking away the rights of kids who are transgender, like that is causing real material harm to families and children in these places. And it's happening in a lot of places. The staggering number of bills that are moving in state houses across the country, uh, it's no accident. These are coordinated things. They are they are probably coming from a similar source, if not the same source for model language. This is what think tanks do. Like we have to be on our toes and on our feet. These are things that may or may not affect you in your home state. We, as you all probably know, because we exhaustively talk about how Oregon is the best. We all live <laughs> in Oregon. So we do have, we are lucky that we don't have a lot of laws going through right now about that and that our state legislature protected the right to abortion access as well as limiting, um, well, I guess curtailing the limits on gender affirming care and other other necessary medical mental health needs. So we we do have a responsibility to continue speaking up for the rights of kids and all all humans who identify with any gender so that they can have the autonomy, the bodily autonomy, the radical freedom to be who they are in the world without the encumbrance of what other people's expectations are for them. Mm -hmm. Those expectations aren't built on anything real besides fear and our own discomfort with what we don't understand. And I, I got to say, like when you see someone who steps into their full self and when they're like feeling good in their skin and they are being who they were truly meant to be, it is a wonderful and joyful thing. And there is nothing to be afraid about with trans people. We need to like accept them and welcome them and celebrate them. And while this topic is heavy because there is a lot of dark shit happening in our country like i want to bring it back to like these humans are beautiful and they deserve every last bit of joy that we all have and freedom and autonomy and so i think like going into pride month we just want to bring it back to like there is there's a lot to be afraid of but also let's like let's hold on to that joy and let's celebrate the people that we know that are brave enough to like step out of these very small confined boxes. And I think that that's why all the white nationalist Republicans are shaking in their boots because when people are truly free, like it starts pulling at the thread. Right. Yeah. And it's people they they're not going to vote for, you know, like they're not going to vote for those old white dudes. They're gonna, they're going to flip over the tables. They are going to change shit because we like, we are tired of being confined to one way because guess what? The way that we, we, they all decided that we need to be isn't working. It's not working. <laughs> like this country is so broken. Like, and, and yet here we are concentrating on 
you know, legislating trans children out of existence. Like, what the fuck? There's, whew. anyways, we could talk about this forever, which is why we have <laughs> two interviews coming up with uh, parents of trans kids. And we think that you guys are really going to learn a lot from these two moms as we did. Uh, as we head into our first conversation with uh, uh, an internet friend of mine, Abby in Atlanta, I wanted to just read a quick blurb that she wrote. And mind you, uh, as always, everyone that we interview on the podcast is at a different place uh, emotionally and spiritually. And so Abby is uh, religious. So this will have some mentions of God in it, but I hope that you can know that this is coming from, um, I mean, all of us, we talk about God a lot uh, in this podcast. So that is the lens that we're coming through. So I just wanted to, she, after her child came out as non-binary, she wrote uh, a piece that uh, resonated a lot with me and which is part of why I reached out to have her on the podcast. So The laws of my land, of the state that I live in, the place we call home, has declared my child no more. Children who refuse boxes, resist labels, reimagine what it is to be a person made in the image of God are told that they do not get to exist here, not in the ways that they want to, not in the ways that God has created them to be. The politicians have instead refused reality, resisted human history, and have rewritten humanity. Black and white, left or right, straight edges and sharp corners flattening any nuance. No shades between between begging us to see the goodness of God's imagination. All that is erased. God forbid we make anyone uncomfortable with our humble right to raise our kids without government overreach. God forbid we ask people to let us parent the ways we see fit, the ways that give our kids the greatest chance of even surviving to adulthood. Turns out that trans rights are a pro-life issue. We too just want to save the babies. God, where are you? Where are you when I wonder if my child will be safe at school? When I Google where to move? When I am scared to listen to the new to the news in my car on the way to choir practice because I am terrified that my trans kid will hear someone report that the way you design them is currently outlawed in their home state. Do you hear us, Lord? We are Rachel weeping for her children. Deliver us, O Lord. Deliver our children who are not mistakes from being misgendered and misidentified as anything but prisms that point to the entirety of love. So now uh, onto our interview with Abby Norman, who wrote that really beautiful piece. We are very excited to welcome my Twitter friend, Abby Norman, who is excellent at Twitter. And she also happens to be a bartender slash bar manager slash reverend. I don't know how you want to call yourself, Abby, but you are such a delightful mix of, I followed you on the internet for a long time and I always really appreciate what you have to say. You're one of the people when you speak about God and religion, you you hold it with a lot of tension and kindness and curiosity. And um, I asked you to come on the podcast because I saw a really lovely uh, blog post that you posted about uh, your your non-binary child. And it really hit me in the guts. It was just, I thought it was such a beautiful look into what um, your experience is and maybe a lot of other uh, parents of trans kids experiences are. And so you honestly, that article sort of spurred the idea for this episode. We're going to be talking to a few different parents uh, of trans kids. And as we all know, there's a lot going on in our country right now with these issues. And so we just thought, let's let's hear from some people who are in the thick of it and hear how they are doing and what their experiences are. And hopefully we can uh, hopefully we can learn a lot from it. So thank you, Abby. That was a long intro. I know <laughs> it's a little rambly, but we're very excited to talk to you. Thanks for having me. I like to refer to myself as your friendly neighborhood pastor bartender. 
I like my gospel with a side of whiskey. So I think that that's <laughs> the only I way I take tell it. People that I am currently putting the pub in public theology. <laughs> yes. Good job. That's a really good tagline. I'm here for this. <laughs> public house of the Lord. Yeah. Well, thank you for being here today and for being willing to talk about something that I'm sure is is deeply personal, but also is super important. And so we really just want to hear from you, like what, if you can take us back to your kiddo and sort of like when they came out, how that was. My child who is currently 13, um, when they were 11 in the midst of the pandemic, um, they came out to their dad first and uh just told us like hey i am non-binary and we were like cool but what does that mean Hmm. like what does that mean to you so the way that we even got to the cool part i feel like there's like probably a deep rewind for me and my husband who were attending a um southern baptist church when this child was born and we just were slowly but surely were like unraveling all the things about god and faith and what had we learned to do um we moved to atlanta because we felt like god called us to atlanta specifically um but one of the reasons we wanted to come to atlanta was because it had one of the highest queer populations in the country um I think second only to San Francisco at the time. Uh, And we were doing that and we just felt like God was calling us to minister to queer people, which is hilarious because I think absolutely that is true. We just, you know, had it a little backwards when we got here. (laughs) So we, yeah, so we moved to Atlanta to minister to the gays and it's like, ha! found out that now what that really means is like telling them they're wonderful and God loves them so much exactly how they're made. And we're so sorry that churches have not said that. So um, while I was becoming really good friends with um, a, a lesbian couple, my husband was getting his PhD in rhetoric and we just like everything I saw about this gay couple I wanted in my marriage, like I was jealous of their marriage. And I'm like, okay, I was told that these marriages are bad, but they're not. Meanwhile, my husband is like studying rhetoric and queer theory and is like, none of this, like none of what the church is telling me about gender and all of these things make sense. And especially like when we read the Bible, none of this is in here. So we had sort of done all of that. So Like our kids had been exposed to Mm -hmm. all different kinds of people. And so our 11 year old was like, I am non-binary. I am not straight. And we were like, okay, cool. But then like, what, what does that mean? (laughs) Like not like, what does that mean to you? We had a lot of questions about my poor 11 year old. My husband went like super academic, on them and was like okay so what about this term what about that and it's like oh my gosh okay they're 11 and then i also (laughs) was like but i also don't understand like what does that mean what are you into and so we're just sort of trying out like 
okay, you're queer. We're totally good with that. But like, what kind of queer? And not to like judge, but to try to understand like who, what kind of, okay, what person are you? Not just how, how do you identify? Like what label do you use? But like when you imagine yourself, what does that self look like? Mm. Um, those were the kinds of questions that that then were really opened up to us. And um, so I did a lot of calling to people that I knew. Um, one of the first calls I made was to someone who was non-binary, who was uh, born in a menstruating body. And I was like, hi, how do I communicate with my 11 old about their period starting without having the like you're a woman now right yeah yeah i know how to have it i called my friend who was part of the lesbian couple i had become so close to and had really like unraveled my understanding of even like what queerness was and how like it is not sinful at all and so i i called her and she was like okay get your kid on the internet Put them on Pinterest, get them a Pinterest board and be like, pin who you are or trying to be or what. Right. And I love this. Said, yes. Yeah. So helpful. Then she said, then leave the room. Mm -hmm. And then when they are ready, come back. And I was like, oh, and that w could not have been more clarifying and really i don't care and it was so clarifying that then i did it with my other kid who is cisgendered because mm. there are a million ways to be a woman or yes. a girl yes you no know, so like what kind of girl do you think of yourself as pin it was like super helpful so i looked at my kids pinterest board my kids this is what kind of queer person I am Pinterest board and I was like oh I was friends with you in high school right like <laughs> yes I know this person like I understand this now one of my other friends gave me a hundred bucks and we went to the thrift store and we like got some new clothes um and that has been really good um but I just like so they go by Jet and Jet has just you know, continues to evolve. So at first it was like, I don't ever want to wear dresses ever. I can't do it. Please don't make me do that, which was fine. And then it became like, now they do. And just like separate, just allowing them to continue to figure out like who they are and what kind of they they are. It's been really interesting to me to hear people be like, well, do you think it's a phase? Mm. And I'm like, yes, I do mm -hmm. think it's a phase. Just like when I thought I was going to be a rock star, that was a phase. And like this, my other kid is currently obsessed with musical theater. Theater, I think that's a, a phase. Like, And when your kid only wants to wear pink, that's a phase. And they never want to wear pink. That's a phase. And gender is so much about how do you present yourself to the world? And so when people are like, "Ugh, don't you think it's a phase? I'm like, well, I kind of hope it is not like the non-binary part that's sticking, but the like, 
how they're presenting to the world. Yeah, I do think it's a phase because do you still present to the world the same way you did when you were 13? Exactly. Yeah. yeah. Like, it's all a phase, you guys. It's all a phase. It's life, right? Life is about right. life cycles and, and different phases of life is like kind of what it's all about. And, and why yeah. diminish when someone's in a phase of life? Because that is to be expected. I mean, I think we're supposed to evolve and grow as we learn things and experience the world. And that's what I want for my kiddo. So we, we should want that for all kids. Right. It's like, don't you want to give them as much space as you can to let them expand as far as they want to? Yes. Yes. And I wish we would have had that freedom to try on different genders and, and sexualities and all of these things, because like, I think in some ways, one, you know, you have to try different things to figure out what is you and what suits mm -hmm. you and what you like and what you love. And I think that we were just all told what we had to be like and what we had to love. And so we just did it. Right. And I experimented as much as any like super conservative, good Christian girl. You know, I bleached my hair and I wore spike <laughs> belts. That was like as much as I was allowed to do. But I first, you know, like, I don't know. I think it's really beautiful be to let kids like try these different parts of themselves. And I think that the people who get so hung up on like, yeah, what if it isn't a phase? What if it lasts? So <laughs> it doesn't right. like okay, it doesn't cool. matter. Okay, that's what they want. Like, who is it harming? Literally, no one. <laughs> right. It does not bother anyone. Like, it's it's fine. When your kid comes out, you have to admit that there were things that you were assuming about your kid that you're gonna have to grieve. Yeah. Mm. And like, that's okay. You can grieve that. That's totally fine. And also not to your kid. That's not where that goes. When your kiddo came out to you guys, what did you learn? Like what surprised you about oh. how you reacted to the information? And in what ways were you kind of like, oh, I got to work through this little thing? Yeah, so many things. So one of the things is that um, I a little bit, you know, was like team girl mom. I have two girls, but also... I was raised um, as having, I was raised as a third daughter. Like I, there were no boys in the house except for my dad. And um, my, uh, one of my other sisters has five girls. Like I was like, I was like, yes, girls, feminine, you know? And so then when one of my kids is like, actually, I'm not a girl. I was like, well, you have to be. I mean, like there was a gut, not, not most of me. And I would never, I didn't say this to them, but there was a tiny piece of me that was like, no, you have to be a girl. Cause I'm a girl mom. Mm -hmm. Like <laughs> the ways in which your identity is wrapped up in your kids. Yes. Yeah. And then I think that really at, at tween, I think at 11 or 12, you start, they start unraveling. So you have to start unraveling. Um, and so I think that it just like unraveled us a little faster. It was in the pandemic. We were stuck you know, had been stuck in a room with each other forever. And I was like, how did I not know this about you? You know, the idea that your kids have this whole, all of these things in their brain that you actually don't have access to unless they tell you, you know? Yeah, it's I a lot. It's a lot of life that we don't know about. Yes. I think when your kid comes out to you, and especially if it's not one of those like, yeah, duh, we knew that. You have to like reckon with the fact that they're a whole person 
And I thought that I had done that, but man, you really, it was more, it, it was just, there was more of that that I had to do. And it was like, are you going to honor the whole personhood of your kid or are you not? Even when it's like inconvenient for you or hard for you. Yeah, there was just like some weird grief. Like I do miss their name. They're still flexible about either one, using either one. They're not totally, they're kind of like soft out at school. So they still use their name at school. But I'm, as as they get older, more and more, we use Jet. And I'm like, oh yeah, I'm, I loved that name. Hmm. So that, and I, and it was like the first thing that I got to give you. Oh, wow. So, yeah. I, yeah. I've never, that's really powerful. That's a loss as a, as a parent, as a mother, as someone who carried and nurtured this small person into this time in their life. And, and it's almost as if you're, you're doing the mother, mother bird, you know, watching your baby fly away a little earlier, maybe than you thought you were going to have to, because they, yes. they're a different person. Yes, for sure. I mean, like shopping takes forever because we have to go through boys and girls. Mm. <laughs> That's just exhausting. <laughs> like they're just like more options almost sometimes. And so then that, that's just tiring. Um, <laughs> but then also like the ways in which I am scared for my kid expanded a hundredfold. I was going to ask you about that. Like there's the, the grief and loss part as a mother and kind of like the maybe child that you envisioned, but also I imagine like it, it's got to feel relatively complicated, like having this fear and it's like, I'm not afraid because you are non-binary, but I'm afraid because of how the world, our country in particular treats people who are different. How, how have you like wrestled with that? Yeah. It's so scary. I mean, I've cried in public a lot. Uh, yeah, I don't know what to say. Like, it it is scary. And it's frankly getting scarier. Mm -hmm. But also the clarity of, wh of what I have to do to protect my kid also became more clear. But the other thing is just like one of the delights, just the absolute delightful things about raising a trans kid right now is like how much their generation is is like not bothered by anything at all like my kid is like currently identifying as non-binary lesbian my academic husband that like blows his mind because he's like you can't be non-binary and a lesbian you can't. <laughs> and they're like well i am yeah i don't know <laughs> what to tell you that's what i am <laughs> and like, i love it I am. and everyone else is like yeah it's fine what the heck gen z is like yeah what are yes next them coming out to each other it was like us dyeing our hair. <laughs> cute. Okay, moving on. It's kind of beautiful the freedom that this generation has. Like, oh, just it's so fun. It is so fun to watch. Yeah, the kids are gonna be all right. And as the you know elder millennial that I am, I don't want to put it on the kids to save us all. Like that's not their job. But I will say they give me like hope you know, for the future, that it's, that it's going to be all right. That like just watching this is so cheesy, but like, I've been thinking a lot about that. If I were a fish song that like went all viral on TikTok, but I was thinking about how like that song is, is a, kind of just about radical self-acceptance. Mm -hmm. And the whole thing is like, it puts 
the problems on everybody else. Like, it's like, I am the heaviest fish in the sea. I am a prize. Like I am sparkly and beautiful. And if you don't see that, like that's on you. And like, uh, it's just like, I've thought about it so much. I'm like, man, I wish that I had an inkling, like that that was even a thought in my brain when I was younger to think about like the problem doesn't lie with me. It's like, it's everybody else's perception of me because I'm like a gift. And woo, it just like, when I hear that, I'm like, those are the kind of messages where I'm like, man, I'm really, I'm really grateful for the next generation and hopefully for the lack of religious trauma that our kids are going to yeah. have. Well, you know, our, we're going to screw up our kids in some ways, but at least like we're not going to, they're not going to be screwed up by evangelicalism. So I'll say that. Well, yeah. And my kids are like, they, you know, at school and stuff, people have been like, well, you know, my church says that being that, that God is a man. And they're like, that's weird. What kind <laughs> of weird church do you go to? Yes. I tell you that. That is weird. I'm like, yes, I want that to be your Yes. Thank you. <laughs> that's amazing change the conversation right yeah they're like weird we we sing he's got the whole world in her hands she's got the whole wide world in their hands isn't that how it goes <laughs> and oh. i'm like sounds right to me oh. <laughs> yeah my friend's church is weird they only use he yeah there's just there's little ways that we can start to shift the transphobia that we were you know, ingrained with because of our patriarchal, he scary old man, God. And um, this is a way that one of the things we've talked a lot about is just how, how limiting that is to put God into only a single gender. It just, it doesn't feel creationist enough <laughs> or something. <laughs> Or yeah. even divine, right? Like, why do we have to limit the divine? Like, doesn't, uh, to me, I'm like, oh, well, it makes actually the most sense that the divine would be non-binary. Like, the divine shouldn't have a gender at all. So, get Amen. over it, people. Are you leaving it all in, like, Jed, it's up to you? Or do you feel like at a certain point you might need to nudge and be like, it's okay for you just to, like, demand what pronouns you want to be used? Like, how are you, how are you navigating that? Yeah, we do talk about it. And they are like, no, it's really fine. It really is fine. And I'm like, Okay let us know if it's not. They're like, I will. So we just like kind of keep bringing it up, but just like any other thing, like, I don't understand why, you know, gender and sexuality has to be any different than like, okay, you have grown out of your last pair of shoes. And so we're shopping for shoes. I am not going to take you to the, I'm not just going to buy you the exact same shoe you picked out when you were six in the bigger size, because that's your shoe now. <laughs> like you're entitled to change it up. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I and love that. So, okay. So that one is what you wanted last time. Is it still what you want or are we changing it up? Just like when I signed everybody up for, camp this summer it was like okay well last year and the year before and the year before that you went to this particular summer camp do you want to still go there or do or do you want to do something else yeah you just keep checking in and that's kind of just our jobs right as parents to kind of check in and ask what our kiddo likes or doesn't like what their preferences are because we all have preferences and they all can change all the time and it's okay it's okay to want to have a different hair color or, 
you know, wear something that you've never worn before. I remember being told that when I was asked what my favorite color was and I said black, and I was told that that wasn't a color that I could choose, needed to be something vibrant. And that stuck <laughs> with me for a really long time. A, a teacher had told me that. And I thought, that's so absurd. Like, why can't I just like what I like? That's weird. And I was just a kid. And I think that's the natural tendency when you're a kid with freedom is that you're supposed to explore and try things and experiment and figure out what you like and what you don't like. Why should gender presentation be any different? Especially like boomer generation. I think it's one of the reasons they're so deeply uncomfortable with like non-binary specifically is because then there are all these assumptions you can't make. Mm. So yeah. if you're male or female, then I can make, I can think that I know a lot about you. I kind of like the subversion of taking away those visual cues for people and kind of creating a reality where people need to be more curious and more thoughtful about who they're interacting with in public, whether there's someone they know or not, um, and about how they're referring to people. And I, I think that's actually kind of magical. How they're thinking about people. Yeah. One of the things that Jess taught me is it's like, oh, you don't know what to think about me? Maybe you just don't. Yeah. yeah. Like, don't make assumptions. We're good. Yeah. yeah. And like, you don't get to know. It's fine. We're fine. The ability to reveal parts of yourself to somebody when you want to and not have the assumptions made or or labels put on you that tell you you're supposed to be a certain way and that you're failing at living up to that unknown standard that someone else set for you. There mm -hmm. is a lot of liberation in that. Right. Any advice to parents or, or you know, any of um, us? <laughs> I will say this is that one of the things, it changes the dynamics of everyone. So like, just check in if you can with also like so priscilla was like oh i don't have a sister anymore mm. so but then it turned out that jet was like oh no i don't want to be a girl but i can be a sister that's fine oh that's um, sweet it's really important to tell your kids like especially your queer queer kids like i think this is great like i'm so I'm so excited that you let me sh like share this piece of you, mm -hmm. you know, like tell them, don't just tell them how much you are worried or how scared or whatever. Like the celebration part is so important and it's really fun if you let it be. That, that, yeah. If you let it be those, those are the words I think that like we have to let go of our idea of like, our kids and let them be who they need to be and like come alongside them. Thanks again, Abby, for sharing your story with us and for um, allowing us to have a peek in to what it's like to have the wonder of a child who knows who they are at an early age and who has the support of wonderful parents who love and care for them. Um, that's it's a really inspiring thing. So thank you. Our next interview is with my very own cousin, Micah. Micah lives in the state of Ohio, where trans rights, of course, are also under fire in the state legislatures. Uh, we uh, grew up together. 
uh, here in Eugene for most of our young lives, uh, and we're super tight. You'll hear a reference inside of the very beginning of this story about Micah and I foraying into singing in front of the church for the first time. I'm pretty sure I was like eight, so she would have been seven or eight-ish. Uh, we're close in age. The song we sang was, he touched me, whoa, he touched me, because I always thought it was whoa, because I liked the, like, felt like a ride. Um <laughs> <laughs> it's a pretty weird song to sing with an old guy from your church who uh -huh. painted a playhouse for you. But uh, learn even more about Micah and <laughs> my young life. But in more more specific, important news about how Micah has been raising her daughter as her daughter since a very early age when her daughter said, I'm a girl. And Micah listened and has been raising her child with um, gender affirming care since then. When I first heard about Micah's child saying that she's a girl at such an early age, I didn't know anything about what it meant for a kid to know their gender identity, what it meant to, to experience being transgender. Of course, I'm cis and I don't know what that's like. Um, but I've learned some skills in my life and I do want to share with you how I came to understand and or at least not feel personally awkward about this because one it's not about me of course but when we're hitched by something when we're like "Ooh, really is that right are you doing something weird to your kid i mean micah addresses this in her interview we have the opportunity to get curious and instead of going my opinions are this i'm overriding your reality with what i think is true because i've been taught this or because i believe it or because it's what's comfortable for me we can instead say, what can I learn about this? And I did ask myself that question. And I started looking for articles about raising kids who are trans. I read a lot, a lot of articles from parents. And this was a while ago, like 10, almost 10 years ago now. Um, this, this isn't a simple thing, um, but I think it is important for us to recognize that people Kids, as we've already said many times, are their own people. They're born who they are. They get to move through life. Our job as parents is to nourish and nurture them and help them become all that they're meant to be here on this planet. And if that includes gender-affirming care, then why wouldn't we give that to our kids? Why would we think a kind and loving God who gives a fuck about us would want us to do that? Not that I believe in God anymore, but if you do, like maybe ask yourself that question because it's kind of fucking weird if you don't believe that God like wants you to be who you are because you believe he made you and stuff. Okay. Anyway, today on Holy Ghosting, I'm very excited to introduce you to my cousin, Micah. She is a cousin that I was probably closest to for sure growing up. Uh, we spent a lot of fun delinquent adjacent time, like good Christian delinquency uh, <laughs> that we had as children. Uh, Micah was also the impetus for me getting on stage and learning to lead worship at a very hilariously early age. This guy, his name was Larry, the happy painter, was painting Micah's parents' house and they had a playhouse outside and he bribed us by saying, I will paint this, paint this playhouse to match the house if you will sing with me on Sunday. And so That's we right. did. Yep. Do you remember what we sang? 
No, I don't remember what we sang. I remember getting my first kiss in that playhouse, though. Oh. <laughs> Why Micah's here today is because Micah has a child who is trans and has known since um, she was very young that she was a girl. And Micah has been a wonderfully responsive, empathetic parent to her child. And I just thought it would be great to have you come on today and talk a little bit about your experience of of knowing who your kid is and believing her and um, raising her in a gender confirming way from what, like three or four, something like yeah, she started to come out when she was three, and then we officially transitioned when she was four. Socially, I should say, there's many ways to transition. But. Yeah, but I'd love to hear about that. It's an early age, I think, um, certainly for the family that we grew up in, for everybody to know, Micah's dad was a pastor until really recently. He just mm-hmm. retired, I think, in the last year or two. Um So this has certainly been a journey. There's still a part of the famous free Methodist denomination. One, I think that early age is really important. I also am curious about how your family kind of reacted to this and what kinds of supports or questions or non-supports that they offer. I think that coming out at an early age was really kind of a double-edged sword. For my daughter, it was a really great thing because she's able to socially transition. I was able to raise her the same as I would any cisgender child. And so that made it so she was able to build up that confidence in herself as a woman. So now she's very much like, no, I'm just a girl. And like, that's how it is. So I think that that was a really wonderful thing. But the problem was that my parents definitely took it as she's just a child. Why are you doing this to her? And I took a lot of flack for that. And also I got a lot of comments that were, oh, LGBTQ, that's always been your thing. So this is right up your alley, which was a really like underhanded compliment because really what they were saying is, oh, you've always been into this. That's why this is happening to you. Uh, Like you're making it happen. Yes. They thought it was me like putting it on my child and that, and I don't know if it was just the timing of it. You know, she'll be 12 soon. So you can do the math. That was about nine years ago. And um, since then, you know, obviously like transgender issues in the news and such have been flourishing. So, you know, I just got a lot of, this is the fad. This is the thing. I still get those kind of comments from my parents. Like this is the trend that's happening. I should say my mom was raised Catholic, but she's not really practicing. And my parents are divorced. So I get two different sides of it. One from somebody who's more secular and one from somebody who still is quite religious. So um, that was her take on it. But my father, who is the pastor, he had a hard time reconciling it with his faith. So I would get comments sometimes like, I pray every day that you're going to wake up and see what you're doing to your child. Mm -hmm. So when I got to the point with him, I just had to take a step back and say, if you can't accept my child for who she is, then I'm not going to be able to allow you to be in my child's life. And at that, there was a change in him because he really wanted to be involved and the family is really important to him. So since then he has found a way to be affirming to my child while still somehow reconciling it with what he believes. Great. That's amazing. I'm it's sad that it had to come to that point. I'm curious if he ever had thoughts about what theologically was 
keeping him from being able to accept your daughter? He never quoted any scriptures at me. Thankfully, I think he knows that I just wouldn't have been receptive because I'm, you know, not, I'm an atheist. And he's he knows met that. you. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so there was not a lot of proselytizing. It was just more like disappointment in what was happening and blame in what was happening and disgust, I would say, mm. was also uh, a feeling that I received from him. Um, and I don't know if that comes from my childhood of growing up and you know, if we went to San Francisco riding down the street and having him make slurs at couples who will be walking and holding hands that were gay um, or what, but I, I mean, I, so I probably have some residual things from, from those sort of events that happened when I was growing up, this idea of a boy dressing up like a girl to him was just something that he found disgusting. Yeah, that's that's super rough. That's just strong reaction. Does your kiddo, does she know that about or does he has he always been like nice enough in person to where your kiddo is kind of un, unaware of maybe what he believes? I have always made it really clear since my child changed pronouns that you need to be affirming when she's around or you won't be around her. Because I wanted to keep her completely sheltered from anybody who was having a problem with it until she had enough self-confidence and strength to deal with those situations on her own and to decide how she wanted to deal with them. I didn't want to be making those decisions for her necessarily. So I kind of insulated her from what was going on. And um, I actually just would not have her around him. And I, living as far away as I do from my family, which is about six hours flight, I have the luxury of not having to be around them very often if I don't want to be. But when he found out that I would be coming home and not seeing him, for example, those sort of things really changed his outlook on how he would deal with the situation. Maybe he would misgender her in his personal life, but when he was around her, he would make sure to use the right pronoun so that way he could be allowed around her. Hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Can, can I ask, as I haven't honestly talked with a lot of people whose kiddos have transitioned so early. Like what did, what did that look like? And how did you like, it's really amazing that you listened to her and were able to, I feel like a lot of parents would get stuck on you're too young. You don't know. And so what could you tell, you know, what can you tell us about that experience and maybe even for other people, like walk us through sort of what that, what that was like. Okay. Yeah. I think it can look very different for different people, but for, for my daughter, she, um, was very obsessed with Frozen and Elsa and she wanted to be Elsa all the time. She wanted to like, if we were shopping in the store and they had a hat with a fake Elsa, you know, braid, she wanted to buy that hat. And so it got to the point where she was wanting to wear dresses all the time. And we were having to distract her in my previous life. I was a teacher. And so I was used to being around young kids. I taught preschool and kindergarten and I know what it's like when a kid is interested in dress up. I don't have a problem with the boy playing with the Barbie or wanting to wear female clothes or anything of that nature. I think the gender and um, expression is a spectrum. So it could be anything. Um, but I could tell that this was a little bit different and I wanted to know how could I best listen? So I actually went to her doctor and when I went for her four year appointment and they said, 
you just need to tell her that these things are for boys and these things are for girls. And I, thought, I need a new doctor. Nope. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> oh, You're fired. Yeah. Yeah. So I took her back uh, a few weeks later for another appointment. And I got a doctor who was kind of like filling in and she was super supportive and was like, yes, let me get you some referrals. And so she actually put us in touch with a uh, gender uh, affirming psychiatrist and psychologist for my daughter. And so we went there and they said, well, we don't need to see her because there's nothing wrong with her. She's going through what she's going through, but we'll see you as parents so we can walk you through how to best navigate the situation. So I thought that that was a really great approach. It wasn't never an issue of like, something's wrong with my child and what they're experiencing. It was always, we as parents need to grow into it. That's tremendous. I, I really applaud that perspective. And I think that that's really teaching me something in this moment to, to realize it, it really isn't the kids that are coming up with some weird off the wall ideas. It's really the adults who are being stubborn and, and not, open or, or like hearts closed or, you know, something that's really stopping people from recognizing that this is a human who just wants to live a happy life. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it's adults misconceptions and adults closed minded hearts and souls that are stopping people and teaching their children, what to what, to do and how they react to these situations. And so if we could all just learn a little bit about, you know, what trans people are like and how they're just normal people like the rest of us, uh, cisgender people, then, you know, I think that we it would go a lot further for people's understanding and, you know, acceptance of one another. I just love that you guys are the ones that went to get therapy or counseling or support as the adults in the situation, um, what were some things that maybe surprised you that you discovered about yourself through that process? I had to grieve because I always thought, and I always raised my daughter, if you were gay, then I had that storyline built in my head. Or if you were straight, I had that storyline built in my head. Like no matter what my child grew up to, to be gay or straight, I was already like, planning that wedding, you know, but I never thought my child would be trans. So I never built that narrative in my mind for myself. So when she came out, I had to really stop and grieve the loss of those dreams. And I didn't think that I would be so sad because I am such an open and accepting person. And I also had to really look back at myself and do some soul searching on you know, maybe some terms that I'd use, some slurs that I'd use when I was younger. And the LGBT, the T wasn't really out there at the time, you know, and it wasn't something we thought of. It was uh, really like, you know, we're fighting for gay marriage and gay rights. And it, we weren't thinking about transgender people. And so I really had to, you know, take inventory of things that I'd done in the past and how I could be a better ally in the future to my daughter and almost, you know, kind of make up for lost time. Do you have any examples of how you've been able to take that reflection and turn it into action? 
Yeah, one thing that I've done is I became president of our LGBTQ plus business resource group at my company, which is one of the largest OEMs in the nation. So in the world, actually, I should say. So um, that was awesome. We do a lot of programming, educational programming. And last year, we our focus was on uh, the trans identity and being non-binary. And so all of our educational programming was around that. So really educating others is the best thing that I can do. My daughter is not out. She is stealth. And so that is something that I have to take into consideration with my advocacy work. So I try to do it any way that I can. For example, coming and talking to you guys, it's it's a big step outside of even like my typical comfort zone because I'm always very protective of her. But it's something that I feel is really critical right now, especially with all these trans laws that they're trying to enact in the country. Like we have to spread a little bit of understanding in order to overcome these difficulties that we're facing. Absolutely. All of these anti-trans legislation projects that have been undertaken over the last really few decades, but especially right now, it's just a huge fervor. What's that looking like where you are? In my state right now, they are pushing through bills in our state uh, Congress to make it so that way trans girls cannot play on the sports team that aligns with their gender identity. Mm-hmm. So that just passed out of committee and is now going to the floor for its first vote. And then today was the opponent hearing. So our side, <laughs> the good sides hearing uh, for their testimony against um, House Bill 68, which would ban gender affirming care for minors. So that would make it so my daughter is no longer able to get her uh, hormone blocker injection that she receives every six months to stop her from going through male puberty. And yesterday they introduced a new bill that they would like to pass that would make it so that way uh, trans students cannot use the restrooms that align with their gender identity for K through university. Oh my God. (gasps) Are these... So they're not maybe aware that there are stealth kids like that's so upsetting. That's got to be so scary for your kid, too, who's probably just going and using the bathroom she uses and playing the sports she plays and to the terror of also like. If she gets found out, does that all get ripped? Like, gosh, I can't even it's it is deeply fucked. Like, I don't know how else to say it other than that. It is just, it is so unnecessary. It is so, it feels like I was thinking the other day, I was like, okay, you got your fucking Supreme court justices. And so now you need something else. They just took the laser beam focus and just turned it and we're like, great. We're going to bully trans kids now. Yeah. It's kind of like, well, we got what we needed about taking away rights of people who have a uterus and can be impregnated Uh, to do what they need to do with their own bodies. But now that we've done that, let's go ahead and torture the born children who were born (laughs) wrong somehow, because now we think those people are bad. I, I, I I just, y'all. Yeah. Stop. What the fuck? I'm sorry. It is. It's really hard. I mean, we have to make the decision every year of what information we're going to give to the school because we don't know if, she is going to be able to play that sport or use that restroom. 
we don't even know if she's going to show up in a couple of years looking more masculine because she had to go through male puberty because her gender affirming care was banned. So it's something that we really have to think about uh, all the time. It weighs very, very heavily on us as a family. Um, I did have to have a conversation with her recently about what it will look like if the gender affirming care law is passed and how that would impact her. Yeah, it's a hard conversation to have with an 11 year old. It's things that they shouldn't have to think about, John, because the adults are making them issues. Right. If these laws are passed, what are the penalties that we face if we continue to allow our child to just go to school and exist as she has been? Right. You know, her birth certificate has changed. Everything has changed. Her identity documents. There's no way for anybody to know that she was born assigned male at birth. It's really hard decisions that we face as parents, just trying to navigate the school system. Yeah, that is wild. So you were able to do all those document changes. If this gender affirming care is banned where you live, do you have any options for how to obtain that? Like, will you have to try to travel somewhere else to get access to that? It would be cost prohibitive, yeah. to be quite honest. Um, my understanding, at least, I don't want to speak to something I don't know for sure, but my understanding is that it would also outlaw insurance companies from paying for out-of-state transgender affirming care as well. It would be out-of-pocket having to just go to another state, similar to how the abortion laws are making it, where you have to travel to do what you need to do. You know what the cost is? For care without insurance? I know that her shot is something like $1,500 or something. Wow. 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 So it's very expensive. And with insurance, it is five. Wow. Really hope it doesn't come to that. So these bills are are being worked on. They are not like they have not passed yet. That's correct. Right now they're in committee or they were just introduced. So do you know that there's anything like especially residents of Ohio can do people that can put pressure on it? People are always able to write to their congressmen and women. So I would recommend organizations like Equality Ohio is a great one. Um, Kaleidoscope Youth Center is another one. They're a local community center for youth, for LGBTQ youth. And they have um, wonderful programming from Tuesdays through Saturdays um, for ages 12 to 20. And then they also have uh, on Saturdays, once a month, they have a group for under 12 year olds. And it's just, it's an amazing, amazing resource. And they also put on workshops for how you can craft your testimony to lawmakers and such. So I really recommend um, Kaleidoscope Youth Center or Equality Ohio. I am really glad that you brought that up. Legislative advocacy is the most powerful thing we can do besides voting. So once we've failed to vote good people into office, we still can influence them by calling them. If you're a constituent of somebody, then they will take note that you've called them, especially calling their staff. Be nice because people who work in these offices are just staff, but you can still call and respectfully say, this is bullshit. Don't fucking vote for it. You know, maybe (laughs) adjust the testimony, you know, go to one of those workshops. Uh, But it is true. If you have the ability to call or email any any of your local, state, and national representatives about issues that matter to you and to people that you care about and or that you should care about, frankly, children who are just kids living their lives, 
that this is it's an easy enough thing to do and you can do it frequently and you can do it without a lot of investment of time or money. Um, it just takes a little bit of your time and energy. So that's right. And I would also like to say that you don't have to be in state to reach out to legislators. If you know that something's happening in another state and you're passionate about a subject, you can definitely go ahead and call, email, you know, turn in testimony as well to that state. And I can tell you that I know this because they don't have anybody from in within Ohio testifying that these anti-gender affirming bills are good things. They bring in people from out of state and, um, you know, the legislators will be asking these people who are giving testimony questions and they'll be like, where are you from? When have you ever had gender affirming care in Ohio? And the answer is never because they're not from here. So they mm-hmm. just fly in these people to give this testimony to try to pass these things. Yeah. Well, they're not only when have they received that care, but they're also, I would imagine, gender conforming people who are making these roles, right? Yeah. Yes. I just want to be like, how many of you have wives who've had a breast augmentation? How many of you? I just like the hypocrisy makes my skin crawl. And also like puberty blockers are used for so many different things for athletes. For Like it's not, it's just... If you truly believe that we can't question one thing about how God made us in our bodies, then you better be sticking with the exact body that the good Lord gave you. And I don't want to hear any complaints about it ever. So I mean, do you right. drive a car? Did the Lord intend for us to be driving around in little metal tubes that can crash into each other and go really fast? Like, is that God's plan for you too? It's just... <laughs> If you start thinking about things in such a ridiculous abstraction, it all of these arguments become completely asinine. There, there yes. is no argument there. I would love to know some of the things that you all do as a family that bring you joy, things that you love doing together that your kiddo loves doing. And the joys yeah. of parenting a trans kid because shit is really scary. But like, uh, obviously, we want to hear like, yeah, how this is like also been like a joy for your family and playing video games together. We love to do that. Our pool is opening soon at our condo. And so she's very excited for us to get down there and spend some time swimming together and stuff as a family. Um, She plays flute in the band and she just loves it. She's always telling people I'm a flute player. So that's what I am. (laughs) Um, So those are some of the things that we like to do together. And then she's a huge advocate for other people. She's really attuned to what is just, and she really cares a lot about social justice issues. So she will really stand up for you if she feels that you're being slighted for your race or your gender, or if her friend uh, the other day in class, her friend got her period and needed to go to the bathroom and the teacher wouldn't let her. And then the next thing I know, like I'm getting a call at school, like, well, my friend had to go to the bathroom because she had her period and the teacher wasn't letting her. And so I had to let the teacher know. I'm like, you didn't, you didn't have to let the teacher know. <laughs> you know the what? Apple. I'm here for it. Let the teacher know. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> does need to know. The apple doesn't fall too far from the tree. I see. <laughs> no, not at all. Not at all. <laughs> somebody who's always been a vocal advocate, like you are um, raising a child to have some of those same values is really special to see. And um, just hearing about her going about her business in the world is really exciting and, and sweet and fun. Um, We just, for everyone, we have kids around the same age. And so Mm -hmm. it's, it's a, a precious, a precious thing. 
But well, and what a good. what a gift that she has, you know, an understanding parent and an ally. And you know, I I know that a lot of trans kids don't necessarily have that, or there's a lot of fear around being out. And it's just it's I'm so glad we were able to talk to you and hear about your experience, and hopefully that this will empower other parents. The reason why we're recording these episodes is it's it's for us as the you know adults who are having a hard time letting go like you said i really resonate with that like you have this idea you have this storyline in your head for your kid and i think that like the first step is we got to we got to let that go and mm-hmm. um it was it was really uh inspiring and helpful to hear that from you so, oh, so thank, thank you, you. Yeah, yeah yeah your daughter you. sounds rad so <laughs> she's awesome she's awesome a really big thanks to Abby and Micah as moms of kids ourselves. These have been some really insightful and helpful for me conversations to have and to hear and to participate in. And um, I'm just so, so thankful for for both of these moms. And we're not done. It is a whole month where we get to celebrate and have pride right alongside every single person in our community who is out or is not out is living stealth. It's really truly about autonomy and also having the right to body autonomy from her federal government. Legislative advocacy, the idea of getting involved with people who are already elected, like once again, everyone, you do have access to your elected officials. You can also talk to legislators in Ohio or in Kentucky, or in Tennessee, or in Florida, or wherever, even if you don't live there, they may or may not care that much about what you say, but it it does for sure matter if you are a constituent. And so if you are in a state where these things are happening, where there are attacks on trans kids, and or anyone of any gender identity that is, you know, incongruent with what society deems is okay, then uh, you have extra power. And it would be really important for you to stand up and and take some of that power into your hands by contacting your elected officials. We have that power. We can collectively raise our voices. Yes, Pride Month is about going to fun parades and wearing rainbows and all that stuff. But it's also about doing the work. And we need to advocate for them. And we need to be the squeakiest little wheels that we can be. Because you know what? I know, y'all, we can get shit done. Like, let's just, let's use that Karen energy. Turn it up. (laughs) Yeah. Let's, let's turn up our inner Karens to help trans and non-binary and LGBTQIA folks. Like, let's get it done. We'll link to some stuff in the show notes. We will be posting things on our social media throughout the month. One good place to start, I found, is ACLU has some really great talking points on how to talk to people about trans issues and even just making sure, like, one of the simplest things you can do respect people's pronouns and help ensure that others are respecting pronouns. When you know someone is being misgendered, call that shit out. It's it's, it may seem ridiculous, but it is important. That's a wonderful place to start and then call your senators next. So, uh, and please start with your family. If you have a member of your family who has come out or who you even maybe think maybe wants to come out, Show them that you are an ally by just being a person who is safe, a person who calls out transphobia, homophobia. Heck, get into it. Call out racism while you're at it. Like, get <laughs> in there and let's make a difference in the lives of every single person that we come in contact with. We can do it. We're moms. We're here to love all y'all. So be the yeah. Karen you want to see in the world. Let's do it.
Amen. I'm ready. Amen. Amen. And also, let's stop being obsessed with other people's genitalia while we're at it. It's like not really our business. They're not like chickens that we're trying to sex. You know, how about we just not let's let them play, let them have it in their pants and we don't need to fucking know what's there. It doesn't actually matter. Yeah. Yeah. And also all bathrooms should just be unisex. So like just let people pee. Okay. Everybody has to pee. Let us pee. As I used to say about homelessness. Every single person deserves a place to rest and a place to sit, a place to sleep and a place to shit. Okay. Mm -hmm. So how about it? Well, if you like what we're doing and you want us to keep going, join us over on Patreon at patreon.com slash holy ghosting, or you can find us on socials at holy ghosting pod. We'll see you next time. Yes. (laughs) Okay. We did it. Cool. Good job, everybody.